Welcome to the third New Models podcast. I'm Lil Internet, joined by New Models co-founder Carly Busta and artist Daniel Keller. The past three days have been full of lies, blatant lies from the Trump administration, as well as the death of a controversial SoundCloud rapper, XXXTentacion. These events got us thinking about truth, lies, and tribal loyalties in our world today. Of course, this podcast is just one part of our broader project at newmodels.io, where you can find constantly updated material about the issues we talk about this episode and much more. The New Models podcast is recorded in Berlin, Germany. On this podcast today, and possibly the next few, we're going to focus on lying, but not just lying, also the questions of truth and trust, how these qualities are amplified or altered by platform life, society as it plays out on social networks. We're going to talk about the performance of lies, of grifting, and in this post-fact era, the possible sociological correlation between the rise of blockchain and the seeming impermanence of contemporary truths. There is a difference between maybe a, a, a liar who's deceitful and aware of what they're doing and someone who, for whom it's kind of a their natural method of communication. They've kind of, like I think Trump has kind of hacked communication and truth to just uh, to, to actually believe whatever he speaks. I don't think in the back of his mind, he no- considers himself lying or uh, he knows he's wrong. I think as soon as he mutters whatever he says, he believes it. I don't even know if that's true. I think that just every fact for him or every just every statement is just a moment to be able to take advantage or to lose advantage and that the mm. factualness of what he's saying is just irrelevant to him. I don't even think he cares if he's telling the truth to himself. I don't know if he's even convincing himself of, of those things. I think that in the past, Republicans knew they were lying. Like, I think Trump is simply just a narcissist and a sociopath, and he believes his own lies the moment he utters them. What's super fascinating about that is the very definition of lie depends on the conscious of the liar. So a lie is not a lie if the liar believes what he is saying or she is saying. So the question why Trump is such actually an interesting figure in this is that if he does believe his own lies, if he is saying truths, if he is just rewriting truths and he does believe him, then the whole rhetoric around lying gets thrown into a different register. It's not exactly true. We talk about grifting, right? Grifting is like this other thing that's very much like in the air these days of the moment. But grifting is somebody who like absolutely gets off on the performance of lying. And like even more than getting what they want is having people believe their lies. So like with Trump, he just wants to get what he wants. He wants his, what is it, 15 billion, 25 billion, whatever crazy amount it is for the wall. He just wants that, right? And he does, he'll say whatever lies he needs to say or truths, Trump truths, to get it, alt facts, to get it. But when somebody is grifting, they don't really, really, like Anna Delvey, our, you know, art star of du jour, um, she 
didn't really care about staying. I mean, I'm sure she enjoyed the hotels and the like nice dinners or whatever, but more she was just so into her performance. She's almost like Amalia Ullman, except for, (laughs) (laughs) except, but Amalia, of course, is not a grifter, but she, you know, also her whole thing was performing, LARPing or, you know, in these different, um, in these different roles. I mean, that also goes, I mean, that also, it also goes to to the new, I mean, I think the reason why so many Republicans are just, be uh, supporting Trump right now is because it's it is generational. There, there's not these kind of like conservatives with deep values and beliefs that are like as there were in the past. The new generation, it really is this very selfish kind of sociopathic kind of form of trolling. And I, I mean, I got interviewed for this documentary about Pepe and. I talked a lot about 4chan and the structure of, uh, I mean, I guess the appeal or how 4chan operates. And I mean, one, I guess one thing though I really do compare it to is like fraternities and hazing and all of this. It is this kind of exercise in sociopathy and creating a sociopath and having you ready to kind of engage in this really kind of cynical, misogynistic world of high finance and hedge fund trading and shit like that and and like i i think though like fortune actually operates in a similar way where it is a method of creating of training sociopaths and training people to just relish in the performance of lying and trolling and deception and getting over that so much of it is at this point is is the celebration and the enjoyment of the performance itself. I guess if you, I I personally, I mean, Trump obviously never spent any time on 4chan. Um, uh, um, What what was his old, uh, the pre-Sarah Sanders, he was a furry. (laughs) <laughs> What's his name? Sean Spicer. Yeah, Sean Spicer. I think spent a lot of time on that, but but he was mostly on the Moe boards and like for yeah. But it, um, but I I, I mean, think his t- son is definitely hanging out, if if not hanging out on 4chan, he's definitely like favoriting tweets by things that were shared on 4chan. Sean like, Spicer's son? No, no, no. Sorry, Donald Trump's Donald Trump Jr. is totally like oh he's on 4chan. Really? I mean, more or less, definitely. He's he's re tweeting all sorts of crazy shit that comes from fortune and pepe memes etc like he's been oh right he's very stupid, and he just like he's like very he like google he like he, he put into twitter search like donald trump cool yeah. cool and, memes like, cool memes and then he's like well these are amazing you know michael flynn's son also is reposting all sorts of pizza gates but he, donald trump jr was posting mm. pizza gates oh so right i do i crazy. think there's like I mean, they're the millennial, uh, you know, millennial right. generation of those people, but they're just it's direct conduit to, I, the, to the top there. I think Trump, I think Trump believes his own lies, and I think the his support base relishes mm. in in seeing lies become truth mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in sort of a trolling or see, sort of way here's, here's a pretty good uh, Machiavelli quote which is the, probably the other the other <laughs> only, wow. oh, yeah, yeah exactly the only other reader or only other author that Trump has ever read men are so simple and so ready to obey uh, present necessities that one who deceives will always find those who allow themselves to be deceived so yeah, yeah people want to be lied to yeah. that's clear and you know that's what a reality star I don't know I feel like that's what a reality TV star does it's just you know, find a good angle of how you lie. He he presented himself as this character that was just so intrinsic to himself. Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are there are there any analogies though in the past or systems that have that scamming has just like destroyed it or? 
you know there's i there's something i always like this like um illustration of the fall of the roman empire and it's just the coin quality like the level Mm. of silver decaying and like yeah i think that there is just sort of this just general debasement of a society that's in decay and it eventually leads to collapse because there's just complete lack of trust Okay, actually, I want to stop for a second and add something post facto here. At this point in the discussion, I made an argument for how successful lying is contingent on truth-telling being the norm, and how when lying becomes pervasive in the public sphere, lying is no longer an efficient way of extracting value. This may be true, but I wonder if this is really the best framework for talking about Trump's lying and the endorsement of these lies by his base. I mean, maybe it's not really accurate to say that Trump's base relishes in seeing lies become truth. Although I think there is an aspect of that in the younger generation of trolls who kind of are aware they're trolling and really do it just for for the lulls, so to speak. Um, I think maybe it's more fair, though, to say that they relish in the opportunity to demonstrate their loyalty and really this uh, is comes down to tribal thinking and tribal affiliations and obligations actually overriding uh, any desire to discern a real truth or at times even overrides what they know to be true. And uh, of course, it's been seen that the, the more outrageous the claim they are called to believe, uh, the more hardcore tribal affiliation they can prove to, to have by defending it. It's not that all of Trump's supporters are pathological liars. It's more like they're super fans. Uh, and of course, this tribalism is true both in Trump circle and also in uh, liberal circles. So we'll come back to this theme later in the cast. Uh, for now, I also want to add that in this discussion, Cicela Bach's classic 1978 book, Lying, Moral Choice in Public and Private Life, is a key reference. So whenever you hear us say, in this book, it's probably this book that we're talking about. In this, yeah, in the book, she has a re- pretty good Hannah Arendt quote about brainwashing. And uh, basically... The, the synopsis of it is that brainwashing doesn't necessarily let people start believing uh, that lies are truth or that truth are lies, just that it results in this certain kind of cynicism that basically makes you, you know, absolutely unable to accept the truth of anything. Um, and I think that is is really just the the corrosive effects of, of lying in the public sphere that eventually will, you know, uh, uh, subsume and undermine the the you know powerful people who are doing the lies, um, in the sense that their words will also eventually lose all weight. I mean, isn't that though the problem of just a I mean a, a kind of a, a internet that's matured to the point where there is probably a, a a point and counterpoint or a support and negation for basically <laughs> any question or any any topic you could possibly think of i mean when truth and and even facts themselves right now are basically a a theater of combat it's it's almost like i'm i'm surprised it's almost not yeah there isn't almost like a bar the way that there is in law that we we have right now i mean nobody says that a lawyer passing the bar or something biases them one way or another towards criminals or towards any particular crime it's just a 
a way of um, of ensuring integrity. I mean, it does deal with, it's supposed to deal with the same level of uh, uh, kind of objective fact, right? In, in a certain way, reporting. Um, and, and yet there, at this point, since journalism has just been blown wide open and accessible to anyone, I mean, it's, it's now, it, I mean, I couldn't imagine the same thing happening with law with such wide interpretations being available. But of course, even within law, the whole idea is that they're debating different opinions about facts. Whereas with journalism, it has more of, I think, uh, you know, the pretension of like proclaiming facts in a way. And so I think there's, there are, there are definitely organizations that give, you know, some sort of like unofficial uh, good journalist certifications to people for following journalistic procedures well. But of course they don't have the same sort of like legal standing that you're talking about. I just think that you very quickly will fall into the sort of verit trap where uh, it just, you know, objective facts and these kinds of things, you still have to trust some, you have to trust the auditor and that just becomes a slippery slope, I think, for a lot of people that are already so cynical about facts. I mean, I guess the other problem with that model would be we know now already that there are certain good practices that major outlets follow, media outlets follow. Like if they're reporting on suicide, don't glamorize the suicide. Make sure there's information about suicide prevention, et cetera. Um, when there is a school shooter, um, not releasing the image right away or trying to not build the glory of the person who has committed the crime. So there are certain practices. That said, as any like user news consumer, you like seek out the details that the accredited news sites won't publish. You want to see the picture of the shooter's face. You want to see the like I don't know whatever contraband images of the suicide. I mean, you know, um, XXX Tentacion, like whatever was totally insane. But on Monday there were pictures of him laying in the car that like some passerby kids posted. And you could say it was gross for any media site to remediate those. But like, you know, what was even the point? They were already all over Twitter. What did, what did like doctors have the Hippocratic oath, right? It's yeah. like journalists kind of had a similar thing yeah, as well. Papers of record. Right. They but they don't, they, they but that, that flew out the window. And I also find too, that it's interesting, you know, that, uh, and this was a, a a complaint I think a lot of major media outlets had about Facebook is that every single journalistic source is presented is flattened, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. All, all information yeah. just becomes content, right? Right, right. It's all flattened. There's no there, and it's so easy now to make something that looks extremely. Perf- professional and and looks reputable new models included <laughs> that, that uh you know it, 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 in this flattened plane there's you there's no you, to, to the con- on the consumer level there's there appears to be no difference between the, the, the new york times and like you know some like red pilled like uh reporting site you know gateway pundit yeah <laughs> that's a good one well, I think also, and we were we we're talking about this on the first cast, there's a sense of veracity to sites that don't look super slick. So right. in a weird way, we have this inversion where if something does look really smooth with parallax image scrolling, you think, wait, like, this isn't just somebody speaking, saying it as it is, like, this is somebody who's constructing a truth. It's not like close enough to the source. 
Um, and we also know that from, say, at least like a critical art critical perspective, um, we've seen a sea change from reviewers and critics that would really base their critique and analysis in texts and in visual analysis. And now it's much more about personal testimony and having had an experience, having been part of a scene or having had personal experience as um, a, a person who was growing up or background would relate to the artist that you're talking about. It's not it's not like we share this standard that everything is judged against. It's more do you tell a convincing narrative? At the same time though this I think even if we did have a return to some sort of journalistic standards, I, I feel like there's a it's almost like there's a bespoke truth available for whatever you're kind of in a very basic base subconscious level inclined to believe. One idea I, I had had was just that, you know, people are so overwhelmed and, and so burnt out by the feed right now in the noise of the media space that I think a lot of Trump supporters at this point have just outsourced uh, de deciding what truth is to Trump mm -hmm. because it, it's so much easier and, and so much less difficult. They just don't. It, it's almost like They'd rather, it's easier to just like let America slide into a dictatorial uh, regime than it is to have to go through the effort to navigate all this noise and, and, uh, and, and really discern what the truth is. I mean, he just exploits these sort of tribalistic tendencies that are already there. So I think it's not just like, oh, I'm too lazy to figure out the truth. It's just that that narrative just reinforces everything they already kind of want to believe about other people and uh so it's just you know i don't but know hasn't the systematic. nature hasn't the nature of the battle changed though because i think about a, a conservative liberal divide of the past and and i think that i mean it's like for the iraq war they at least had forged <laughs> forged documents at this point they just like say a lie <laughs> like it, it's almost like the basis of of what is required to, to even present an alternative truth has changed. I mean, I think it's also just that even the leaders are much more willing to believe these. I mean, like you see all the, the tweets that Donald Trump Jr. likes and they're like, he just liked a tweet the other day that was claiming that the, the kids at the border are crisis actors. Oh, oh my God. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, oh my God. The, the, the cognitive dissonance all that they... All those infants. Yeah, no, I mean, the cognitive dissonance that they have is is impossible to 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 do anything about at this point immediately any type of story that that counter counter contradicts their beliefs crisis actors every single one i mean it used to at least be like you know sandy hook was crisis actors but not every shooting and now it is just any news event whatsoever i saw there was a great tweet yesterday where it was just it was some it was a, someone posting uh, some like conspiracy clickbait, and it was just a picture of this like kind of concerned-looking white woman, and the caption was like, "Have a feeling that something's going on," and it, it is just this—it's <laughs> just this level. <laughs> if you just have a mood of feeling a little bit unsure about things, you can just Russian bots, etc. And of course, both both well, let's say both sides of that tribal debate—they can so easily just retreat into this 
very comfortable worldview. Talk um, about lazy, though. I mean, our dear leader is lazy. We look at the way he is at the G7. He came late, he left early, and he didn't want to do any of the work of figuring had out... To, and he had to sit down the entire time yeah. while everyone's standing around him. <laughs> That's right. Arms crossed. Um, and he doesn't want to do any of the work of figuring out what the real facts are. He wants, you know, who does he look up to? He looks up to our dictators who decide a truth and make the world form in the image of what that easy truth is, that convenient truth is. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, if there's any philosophers that Trump has read, it's probably is like Nietzsche. And there's a pretty good Nietzsche quote from this book. And it says, a great man, what is he? He rather lies than tell the truth because it requires more spirit and will. There is a solitude within him that is inaccessible to praise or blame, his own justice that is above appeal. And I feel like that is just... uh, basically just describing Trump indirectly and I'm sure that is what he feels about his lies are that they're all for the greater good of promoting Trump and uh, you know reality itself is just fungible Um, Mm. and this idea of manhood that he projects through it so he's in his definition of manhood it's like whatever truths you want to say backed up by character and if you can then strong arm your way into making everyone believe it's true, then that's true. If you actually care to do the work to figure out like what the facts are, well, that's weak, that's liberal, that's like you're soft. So if you're a man, you say it how it is, which is how you think it is, and then you double down. If- I think it's pretty funny that there's this conservative adage of like, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, but it is <laughs> such a, the most projecting idea ever because of, of I mean also Trump he even during this whatever the crazy one hour interview he did where he just said I don't know hundreds of lies in a second he was talking about New York Times being failing and they're worse and he's like well actually you know there's a there was a nice story about me the other day and that was okay I mean he explicitly will say like fake news is bad news about him good yeah. news is any yeah. positive news doesn't matter even if it's these sources that he's spent so much time trying to denigrate um yeah i don't know (laughs) there's a line people reach where they just kind of retreat into total solipsism i mean i i i I also think though that it's interesting to trump I, i call it he's always he he's it's always every answer is is quantum for him it's like uh he 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 affirms something, but then also stipulates, leaves room for the negative, and the truth becomes whatever he confirms by. Uh, it's like Schrodinger's uh, answer for every single thing he talks about. It, it, there's a massive exaggeration. He says, "But it's also this," and then uh, so there's it's like an absolute on both sides, and then so that allows him to navigate to to define the truth either direction. As it un- as it unfolds, or as his own observation kind of mandates, or or whatever benefits him best. And also, this is like I think worth saying. This is like I don't want to give too much credit for the Russians for inventing disinformation, but this is you know explicitly you know Alexander Dugin's strategy, which is just fund uh, you know fund political parties from from all the opposition to the point where you know you can't trust anything about a politics, and that actually just just uh, you know reaffirms the power of whoever is in, in power already by default. But I but I do think that there is something in there that of course the how erosive it is to society eventually will destroy their own power structures. 
because uh, there's another another great quote in here that says that Samuel Johnson says that even devils don't lie to another because the society of hell could not subsist without truth any more than others. A society then whose member, members were unable to distinguish truthful message from deceptive ones would collapse. So I do think that there is still, there's still some, any society, any type of power structure will still dependent on at least just tiny semblance of trust uh, and consensus for it to work. Um, and I do wonder what, what will happen from all of this. I mean, signal to noise also, right? Where truth is signal and distruth is noise. Um, the, the thing that's sort of trippy about the present moment is that we're seeing lies become truths, being accepted as truths. And I think in this is, this is something we've discussed before outside the cast, but in this uh, of blockchain and how how consensus actually forms truths and when um, a majority 51 percent of the nodes in any community or um, in a blockchain situation say that something is so then it is and of course you know through human history through culture i mean is the earth flat? There was a moment a couple of years ago um, where um, we were up to a good like 2% of people who were like, maybe the earth is flat. <laughs> I don't think it's crested. The, the, yeah. the, also, the latest flat earth theory is that Australia is, a, uh, all, every Australian is a crisis actor, that Australia is not, <laughs> Australia is not a real continent, um, which is, yeah, impressive levels of solipsism that I just, you know, I actually think it's wonderful in a way. Like, imagine being able to just LARP your wow. everyday yeah. existence so much. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it's almost like there is, it's like a, in ter- like blockchain speak, it's like a 51% attack against truth that people are are launching. I mean, also though, I, I, I want to emphasize that. I mean, there's this 2015 paper from Journal of Experimental Psychology that just basically, they did a study and in, in it's just that knowledge, you know, the name of the paper is knowledge doesn't, does not protect against illusory truth. And it's just that, I mean, repetition of a false claim will easily override things that people know to be true. And I mean, it's, you even see it on a micro level in Trump's speech where he repeats everything, you know, multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it's just this repetition. And, and then when you think about how feeds work, where you're generally, you know, you follow the people you tend to agree with. And so whatever their consensus is and their repetition, even of false or misleading claims, like you're going to start to believe it, even if you know it's it's not true. And I mean, I think that this is just, I mean, being like highly exploited. And I think the structures of of the feed and how we get media really enables this to to happen easily and effectively. I also think that, a lot of systems do require some sort of consensus in a fictional concept, like, I don't know, the concept of democracy, which is Mm -hmm. just not a thing. You still need to have some sort of belief in a fiction as well. There's these useful fictions. Um, Well, grand narratives, I mean, organized us always. And I do like thinking about how we're going through a kind of mass adolescence where the grand narrative of the baby boomer generation is suddenly not really holding water. And just like a 13, 14 year old kid is like, wait a minute, I don't really have to clean my room. Wait a minute. I don't really have to like be back at midnight. These are my parents' truths. They're not like a priori truths. But I also think that, yeah, we can, like, 
with shared fictions about things like let's say hyperstitions that is the sort of the necessary step to bring you know the existence to become to make those things true i mean look at i don't know pornography i feel like that is a sort of collective hallucination and like more and more like people's fantasies just become you know actualized by pornography etc or even just trump as a presidency it was a meme it was this idea you know it was it was in the simpsons Definitely. whatever uh it's the first step to to, to reality overton window right it's of, like of once course. it enters consciousness then or the sort of spectrum of options you can't unthink it right i just want to note that nietzsche was a incel <laughs> was he he was black pill he was the original black yeah pill. he was black pill i just I, I a personal little uh catchphrase i i, I like to say is ayn ran died alone um because she did um <laughs> she, she was on social security she was like, miserable she was poor she was loveless <laughs> she was like tried to be such a like hard like bad motherfucker and she was just like sad and it didn't work out and Nietzsche also tried to be a super tough guy but he was like total like cuck beta incel (laughs) (laughs) just want to let you all know Um, good PSA I mean capitalism rewards sociopaths right and I think it's kind of uh, we're, 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 we're seeing that really manifested in kind of an ex- extreme way and i and, and i mean i also think yeah back, like 51 percent attacks it's like you know amazon and and fake fake reviews and like trying to download i remember one time i tried to i had for some reason i was using an android and trying to download whatsapp and there were so many fake whatsapps in the google play store it was like impossible to find the real ones I even think look at wikipedia's model the way it works it's whoever the most edits mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, the most people who are, who, uh, I guess, who kind of wins the 51% attack against the Wikipedia article ends up being the truth of that article, right? But that's always been that way. I mean, you know, sorry for the... Not for Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> True. Experts, well, only but, experts. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like, history is out of the victors or whatever. I mean, that's been the principle forever. Like, what, what ends up as truth is, like, whoever is dominant in the community. And actually, I won't say it's 51%. It's 51% of people who have agency, right? 51% whose votes are recognized also. Um, but... I, you know, culture culture makes its truth through consensus, which is just so fascinating. The blockchain is emerging exactly at the moment where we're having a total loss of footing for truth. I, I mean, I think there's some misunderstanding of a 51% attack too. It's not like a, as devastating as it's made out to be. And it doesn't mean that the entire blockchain has become corrupted. It means that, you know, there's a few transactions that are double spent basically. And like, those can be isolated and then of course you can do a hard fork and you basically just can over override those fraudulent transactions and actually a lot of people estimate it wouldn't be 51 percent it's more like a 60 percent 62 percent attack and even then the costs of doing that are are so huge that there's generally not even a payoff so that's why there's been a lot of these smaller blockchains that have been 51 percent attacked in the last months or something like that and their value isn't completely erased because it's sort of like it's not uh, it's not an apocalyptic problem in the same way. It's something that can be resisted. But the, I mean, the concept of it, though, ultimately, is that with enough nodes repeating a false thing, sure. that it, it it can it's considered by the whole as true. Sure. Mom, for a moment or whatever for that transaction. So 
it is kind of though just goes back to this idea of, well i guess it's just truth written by the victors kind of idea well, right when you talk about this 51 or a 60 percent attack in blockchain though we're often talking about a concerted effort or a very expensive effort by one individual or one entity to change the ledger but what we're seeing happening in the news or just sort of pervasive in culture is like a kind of organic um, like situation where maybe more than half don't have the facts. It's not like Trump, I mean, yes, he has a line on Fox and Friends and Breitbart, but it's not like he's sitting down every news media outlet and saying, all right, now, tomorrow, we're going to attack. It's not like a, it's not orchestrated. It's just happening organically in a way. It's like, well, what Trump did, I mean, he eliminated shame. He was like, shame actually... (laughs) Is uh do we don't we don't have we don't need that anymore in the world like you know and it's kind of a belief in in truth uh, in in a higher truth or a responsibility towards truth like you know there was it was still even if you were conservative you still had this uh, there was a higher cause or a higher truth that you were a defender of but for Trump there is no higher truth but himself. Right. It's so it's totally narcissistic. There's nothing higher he's working for than himself. So he becomes the sole decider of, of truth, ultimately. Right. I think it also just shows how flimsy the idea of like conservative values were in the first place. The fact that mm. they were just, you know, this very, you know, slight mask for the same <laughs> tribalistic resentments <laughs> that's, that's that true. always existed. I just think if anything, he just showed how, how flimsy that is. And seeing all these goddamn weasels just talking about there's no Republican Party anymore. There's just the Trump Party. Like, it's just a direct continuity of things that they have been doing for decades. And that is just so clear. I just do not want to hear any more goddamn neoconservative is being lionized by the liberal press for just being against very obviously overtly evil things when they were just lying to us about the Iraq war 10 years ago. Right. right. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll... 15 years ago. I'll, I'll, I'll lionize them on the short term. For, 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 I mean, okay, sure, like, they can be useful allies and, like, go ahead if, if George Bush... yeah. Sure, but, you know, it's just, like, the, like it's the Democrats, like, the Democrats' Twitter account actually retweeted Laura Bush's tweet. <laughs> Come on, we can do better. We have yeah. our own leaders. We don't need to rely on... Yeah. Do we, though? Who is, do, <laughs> who no, is our don't. hero? Yeah. Well, maybe that's would be what we're... Yeah. Well, Bernie, we I guess, is the last... We need a hero now more than ever. <laughs> He's been quiet. We don't Bernie. need a hero. Oh, we do. We yeah, definitely, we need, definitely a hero. Do need a hero. We need a hero desperately. We need a hero. New Models is currently entirely self-produced and self-funded, so we are looking for advertisers, underwriters, sponsors for future episodes. If you're interested, reach out to anad at newmodels.io. That's anad at newmodels.io, spelled anad. Another great way to support is just bookmark our website, newmodels.io. Help us help you improve your signal to noise ratio now back to the show i mean i think about it though is like yeah maybe you know history is written by the victors and stuff but i always think about it as like i mean but we're scaling that down to the individual level now it's like okay mutually assured destruction has prevented a world war for the past 70 years but the nra wants to scale that down to the individual level (laughs) right right like thinking if everyone was armed there'd be no shooting violence anymore it's like but can't like i don't think you can scale necessarily scale down these ma- histories written by the victor macro kind of systems down to the individual and expect that to work. It's not even to the individual. It's from moment to moment. Yeah. Also. <laughs> hey. uh, 
and it's like you're only like if you take an L, you know, you're you're gone. So I feel like, and this is also just like you know, it's replayed in the economic system, of quarterly reports, but now it's really just like daily stock price movements. You know, CEOs are responsible for that. I I think that we're, you know, this concept of the paperclip factory, which is this thought experiment about well, what's the problem with like if you if you make a general AI that that is, is, is designed to optimize for one problem without thinking about the problem holistically. And we just, our economy is just a paperclip factory that optimizes for psychopathy right now. It doesn't, it doesn't optimize for value creation, doesn't optimize for creativity. Um, and that is just intrinsic to the, to the structure of the thing. So, I mean, all of these like horrible characters that are emerging out of it right now, they're very much a product of these sort of evolutionary pressures that are existing right now. That's a really interesting analysis. And I think that's that's um, further amplified by the neoliberal turn where every individual is its own micro-corporation. So, you know, people are optimizing for these cycles as individuals who aren't necessarily, this is such a dystopic view, but like who aren't necessarily beholden to any greater community because they're acting as isolated machines. Well, I mean, I think, well, it's even more like, like than neoliberal, like, but classic liberal of this idea of, you know, the economic man who, you know, just by definition will always make actions that are rationally benefiting him. Uh, and, you know, the problem is that people don't work that way, which is why there is all this sort of field of behavioral economics and this nudge theory, where basically you try to encourage individuals to act in a way that isn't benefiting them individually, but maybe as a society does. So, for instance, you know, raising the prices of cigarettes, for instance, is nudging people away from smoking, which on an individual level, mm. you're getting taxed more, but on a societal level, it's better. So there's all sorts of this, like, m- methods of trying to manipulate the, that manipulate that even if that's what's being celebrated in the society as well i mean i wonder if the fact that everybody now is a pun is uh, thinks of themselves as a pundit you know <laughs> it's almost like they have the assumption that everybody deserves to to be their own d- decider of of truth you know uh, i mean even this I, it's just so like yeah with x with x x x x tentacion dying it's just like i couldn't believe how many people were coming out and like making their assertions and, and statements on he deserved it or he didn't or whatever. It's just like, why the fuck do you think you, like, you even should be speaking on this in any sort of sharing this with the world or making any conclusion on any of this in one way or another? I feel like everybody kind of just thinks of themselves as capable of doing so. But he's also, you know, he's a product of the platform. He's a SoundCloud rapper. And you right. know, the reason why he got killed is because he was Snapchatting. He left his location uh, on, basically. <laughs> you know, it's like his life and death, both product of that. And he talks about how much he was, like, inspired by pornography and these things that led him to this sort of, that's what his name is about and this sort of, like, darkness or whatever. I don't know. I feel like he's... He's so much a product of it. Right, but I, I just think the That's idea of thinking... I just think the idea of thinking that y- you have the credibility and uh, to, to make a, a judgment on someone's death that you can share with the world is like, on an individual level, I think it's just... it's Everybody thinks they have the credibility to decide a, a, a conclusion about truth or about a person's life or anything, and that's a really dangerous just assumption to have but i want to offer a more generous angle i mean my question would be why is it so therapeutic for the individual to use these 
uh, outlets to express their thoughts. I think it's less that they feel they have the ultimate uh, right answer or right comment, but more they feel they need to speak because they felt some connection to this world. And um, yeah, that's a question. I mean, aside from that, there's, there's, I, I also just think, you know, I was just thinking anytime somebody passes, a, makes a moral judgment and, and, and shares it with the world online is it's i think a lot of times it's less about the morality and more about the fact that it just feels good to do that you know and i just the problem is that when i don't know all these things are incentivized all, all these things have an economy and a, and a benefit and a, a little dopamine hit or a, a personally feel good reason to to do it I always say, I only trust people who do things that are difficult, to be honest. If it feels good, I don't trust your intentions for doing it. Yeah, but when something, I mean, not fair enough, but when something, like, happens that's traumatic to a community, like, you lose, like, a, you know, an artist that was important to you, it's really normal for every, remember, like, in school when, like, something bad would happen in the school and then there'd be homeroom and, like, everyone would sit around in a circle and sort of say how they felt? It's, like, that's, like, a really, that's actually, like, a healthy the impulse the thing that's like not good is that it's like um it's somehow commodified or quantified through how many people interact with you based on your statements you're all competing to have the best statement as opposed to just like this is how i feel right now and right. it's really scary and crazy like when people reach out like that i think it's because they just want to find community after they've lost the person that was important to them I mean, maybe so, but um, a lot of people were just tweeting like, "I'm glad he's dead." Oh, yeah, I know. And it's just There's like, lots of people. So you know, uh, what other circumstance would these people be celebrating some 20 year old black kid being shot at an armed robbery, even if he was a criminal and did horrible things? Like, it's just, I don't know. That's what I think. So I mean, crazy. we're talking when you when yeah. you're talking about a death and an unexpected yeah. murder. And like, like, what? It's just a topic. It's not even like. What is the point of you passing a judgment on that being like that? That's a good thing. Like with sharing that with the world. Like what? It just seems pathological to me. It's it's like, and you do it for your own little like smug self. you know, like your your own pleasure, virtue. ultimately. Well, virtue signaling, too. You get societal, you get or social, you get some social gratification from that, too. All I know is that we have to protect little pump at all costs. <laughs> Can't lose another one. And he, I think, didn't do anything horrible, as far as I know, so. Yeah, is little little pump problematic? Reach out to Desk at New Models and let us know. <laughs> How's little Zan doing? Uh, Probably fine. Six nine. Mm-hmm. I think. Six nine. I think Lil Zan's okay. okay, but as soon as he loses that bo- those boyish good looks, I, know, I don't man. think it's gonna be so good. I know. Just gonna be stuck with face tattoos like everybody who was born in two thousand and one, I guess. I yeah, Lil Zan has to pray he doesn't hit puberty. <laughs> I do really think that there is something to be said about with his death and and with face tattoos of this. Yeah, this sense of like. La- just just not understanding permanence now yeah um and like it's very easy to celebrate someone getting you know popped because like it's just another just social media moment like these things i don't know i mean i thought that when you look at actually what xxx temptations victim i i think her response was really the best one to, to in relation to all of this and she says like she found it disgusting that all these people felt the need to speak with for her and to, to think that she would be happy or relieved he was mm-hmm. dead. She was like, that death is permanent. Mm-hmm. 
my I'm still alive. Like my injuries are horrific, but I'm still here. Like how how uh, I I don't feel happy. How dare you tell me how I'm supposed to feel? I feel broken. Right. And yeah, I there. Hannah Black actually had a pretty good tweet that I liked, where it was like that rape is worse than murder because there's never a good reason to rape anybody. Huh. Which uh, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. So like sure, like in some ways his crimes were worse than murder but that being said yeah i mean i think there's so many people that are just like i've been abused in the past so this is some kind of personal vindication for me that this guy got killed in self-defense or in revenge even it's just some random robbery and the fact that that's somehow justified just because of some unrelated crimes well it's also the the fact that she was not happy or relieved he was dead so why the fuck would like why should anyone be able to celebrate his death when they weren't even the abused yeah. the also, victim just like, like it's do we want more vigilante justice in florida no like no. <laughs> god damn it like I, I mean the criminal justice system is already corrupt and draconian enough like the idea that this is somehow pr- preferable to just have people killed in the streets for for crimes they've done i mean he was going to trial like he probably would have gone to prison for a long time for the things he did which like i think in theory we should we should be okay with that like that should be enough of course i mean i mean the fact of the matter is too is just how casually people uh are are willing to say like yeah like all abusers should die like literally like you just casually throw that out there and fucking believe it like because you're detached enough from the situation it's so mediated like you're just attached enough to really just throw those judgments. And that's when you scale that up, that's actually really scary. Yeah. Does that mean if all of a sudden it was like fair game to murder anyone who is accused of no domestic tolerance. abuse? Yeah, that everyone, that all of these same people would be like, yeah, do it. I support that. Like, And I think there's, okay, there's like, I heard a lot of people having the same hand wringing about like, for instance, when Richard Spencer got punched in the face. But I think there's a pretty big distinction. That's between, impermanent. Like, yeah, well, also, <laughs> even if he had gotten yeah. killed, like, okay, I'm not in favor of murdering these people. People, but like he's advo- like advocating for a genocide of people like there's a level of intolerance with those people that maybe do make them valid targets for violence because right. whereas like people who have been violent on an individual level like that's awful but it does it's not private. make them criminals yeah. of, you know or that doesn't make them enemies of society right you know right. well uh, also it, it's so strange that there's a it, so many things are considered impermanent and totally malleable down to your own identity down to almost your own gender at this point except that a a a crime or or a certain transgression (laughs) is considered uh, absolutely a permanent stain on your value as a human being when he was like 18 when did he commit these crimes he was 18 yeah i mean he's he's he's, He's a kid literally he's a kid he comes from a you know a, a really like poverty impoverished background like he's been he was in jail and juvenile i mean it's 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 extremely complex complex what creates a person like this in the first place and i just don't think you can just hand down a death sentence on anyone for for you know a, a, a crime that also one that's that is isn't a, a crime of permanence you know and i just feel like a lot of the same people I mean, this is against, I'm making a big straw man argument here, but I imagine a lot of these people are against the death penalty that are just somehow into like (laughs) this just random vigilante murder penalty instead. I don't know, personally, I'm against the death penalty. Ergo, I'm against 
vigilante murder penalty. I don't think that's like a logically inconsistent position, but I just, I don't know. I mean, they're anti-death penalty, but are like pro this weird vigilante. Yeah, because it's the vigilante the act is A, in the abstract, and B, seems to carry with it a kind of gravity that they would have a relationship to um, that would like register this as real. Like, like it's not his ju- justice isn't done until somebody dies. It's real. Game over for this person. Just... Just like smash their, just like forbid them from ever going online again. How about right. that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be just as 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 effective for these for these like mob justice types on yeah. online. Like, you really do want to eliminate the person? No, you don't. You want to illumin- eliminate their rep- their simulated presence. So yeah. they should just actually have that as a punishment on the law books, like a <laughs> damnation memorai of social media. <laughs> I mean, it's a it already is. It's just sort of again some sort of a form of vigilante justice for Twitter gets to decide who's banned from the platform. So they ban they ban all sorts of people now. I mean, I mean, I think sure. I thought it was really interesting too how fast the conspiracy theories escalated with with xxx tentacion i mean there's those two other guys soldier soldier red or soldier soldier kid and soldier soldier jojo right there was them there there they were there all the twitter detectives i mean it actually was pretty convincing yeah but it was then there was pretty yeah. convincing then there was there. also the cell phone video of of xxx in the car and 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 the exposure of the cell phone and the and the fine lining of his tree tattoo yeah cause it to not show up because of the the compression on the video yeah. of course everyone's like wow. it's fake yeah, like yeah. look where's his tree tattoo it's not an <laughs> image that's not really him like you know it and and it's like people will kind of choose choose solipsism as a as a easier just method of living in the world, I feel like. Okay, we're cutting in here because I want to tie in that aside from earlier in the cast in with what we're talking about here. Um, what if all of this is really above all about loyalty, about belonging to a group rather than just an individualistic attention grab? In a community where everyone has face tattoos, getting one doesn't make you stand out. It demonstrates your commitment. There is more here than we're going to address in this cast, but loyalty to a tribe might be a richer way of framing this than as simply an individualistic competition for attention. Desk at newmodels.io is our all-purpose general email address where you can reach out to us with any comments or suggestions for future episodes of this podcast. Maybe a guest you'd like to see on. Maybe that guest is you. We'd love to hear from you. We do want to have more guests in the future. We're set up for it. In fact, we just realized that Dan's mic this whole time was a uh, should never have passed quality control in Shenzhen if that exists. We've repaired the situation for the next episode. <laughs> but give us a shout at desk at newmodels.io, of course. We'd love to hear from you and uh, bookmark us. So, I mean, yeah, maybe we should get to blockchain, but I do think that blockchain is this sort of instrumentalized solipsism where you, uh, it is about not being able to independently verify anything and then you have to rely on this sort of, on some sort of external consensus. It's, you know, it's outsourcing that once again in a way that I think is reassuring. But the basis of so many blockchain products are, are this sort of just inability to trust fact. So, I mean, I always go back to Foam. Foam is this project that is basically trying to make a decentralized consensus-based map of the world using triangulating radio beacons instead of GPS, instead of a centralized system like GPS. So that has the benefit of one, working indoors, two, not being able to be censored like 
uh, like GPSs. For instance, uh, the U.S. cut GPS service to all of Iraq before the invasion. So there are instances like that where you know GPS has been attacked. And of course, it is controlled by the U.S. military. But in normal circumstances, you can trust your GPS signal, of course. Now, their idea is just that like once you start getting insurance claims and all of these things involved that do require a proof of location, that GPS isn't sufficient. So it's based off of this idea that that you know these things that you know tools that we definitely just trust and can rely on in 99% of the situations just that there is this one potential fault this Byzantine general's fault problem and that is you know it's a thought experiment which is the basis of every blockchain experiment okay so the way the Byzantine general system would be solved is all participating nodes have to agree upon every message that is transmitted between the nodes so you used to be able to do this among your community right and if one fake news source was saying something that was an outlier it would out itself as fake news because the other news sources would have consensus. Now we're in this totally crazy time where also what we're even reporting on isn't news in the trad sense. It's like, you know, did Trump or didn't Trump capitalize his tweet weirdly? I guess he, you know, it's like, it's stuff that is almost seemingly inconsequential, but then of course that's actually where meaning seems to reside in our contemporary politics. Did he hug the flag? Did he like, you know, like, did he pat somebody's hand in a protective way? It's like Trump's politics are read through non-news, are read through what would normally be relegated to the tabloids. I mean, people dismiss the entire mainstream media. The news isn't one blockchain. Um, I mean, but, 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 well, wait, maybe we should end with a quick exercise in speculation. Like, what do we do about this? <laughs> How does society recover or get back a sense of truth? I mean, I also think the time is really ripe for a hero type to step in. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the barrier to entry is pretty low. Um, the <laughs> attention economy is optimized to, like, compel someone to do it. Um, uh, so I think there's that. And I also think, actually, I mean, it's part of the reason why, like, we set up the structure as a podcast as opposed to just, like, individual feeds. Because I think that people will be compelled to like form smaller subgroups or subcommunities. And I do think that that will have power or maybe out of some of these, I mean, whatever, Stalin came out of like a small anarchist group, right? Well, so did all this 4chan ideology, of course, also, too. Also, right. They're all pretty good incubators for, for idea. or Tumblr. I wasn't saying Stalin is the answer. <laughs> Tum but I don't know, yeah, Tumblr, yeah. leftism, or any, any of the discourse sort of this stuff is always coming out of these sort of small yeah. groups. So small yeah. groups end up being good breeding grounds for new models, you know, <laughs> right? For new models or for for new leaders, and um, and hopefully it's you know it's not going to be like the Democratic Party is going to like and have a, a fairy godmother who's going to yeah. tap somebody on the forehead. I mean, it's then. it's just really scary when all of Trump supporters they know it's all lies and they just still are like blatant lies, thousands of them, and they still just don't care and believe it. And we'll defend it. Like, how, what do you do? Like, give up, move to Germany. I mean, yeah, we already did that. <laughs> Germany's going to kick us out. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, I, let's be fair. Like, guaranteed, AFD is going to win in this country in the next ten years. I don't. I don't think that this is really. Be, this is the last bastion of Western democracy, or the leader of the free world. It's. Think about all the countries next to us that have fallen: Austria, Hungary, Poland. It's, right. It's you know, oh, I I read this. I read this. Uh, 
there, there was this, uh, of course, like Drudge posted a link. It was like 1,000 people injured or killed by refugee terror attacks in the past four years. And, and I looked into it. I mean, that, that statistic is accurate, but, but there was 44 refugee terror attackers in the past, you know, uh, four years, which sounds like a lot, right? But there was 2.2 million uh, refugees let into the country, uh, right. which means 0.002% of <laughs> refugees committed a terror attack. I mean, there was Trump's tweet yeah. yesterday or it's two sad. days ago where he was like, you know, crimes oh, up 10%. lying about the statistics. And, overt lie. And, and that's, you know, where that came from is like, if you follow the trail, was like um, a, a region of southern Germany um, that is... Um, has a different social dynamic than the rest of Germany by far, did have a 10% rise. But that's an isolated area. And he just applied it to the entire country. And then, of course, you know, started meddling in German Germany's uh, democratic system. Explicitly by, calling for regime change in Germany. I mean, it's so like, it's just it's so insane. I mean, it's so, like, yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's really unconscionable. I, I think that we should make, like, I think that's, uh, like, PolitiFact and Snopes should be made, like, government institutions. <laughs> right. no, I mean, just think about what happened with, with Ferret or whatever. Like, those types of attempts at ma- people also, like, conservatives think Snopes is a liberal. Is a lot. <laughs> There's all sorts of that. People do not believe Snopes at all. They totally think it's the mainstream media. I don't know. I, what? Okay, the- have to, one thing to think about the refugees is, like, there are specific things that have raised. For instance, in Neukölln, the amount of tax on, like, gay people and transgender right, people right, right. gone up a lot. They won't, of course they can't say but they are all yeah, Muslim teenagers. Of yeah. course they are. Right. That should really, that's different. the thing. The left needs to be, if we're, if we're going to start talking about truth though and honesty, the left really needs to start being accountable for it too because that's where all of that's where the well that's where the the rights finger pointing kind of gains works of course you're right, right. Gains yeah. Yeah. Moral right. relativism like i i don't know i just think that the cultural relativism that a lot of people on the left are able to do especially when it comes to this issue specifically uh, i can just say as a jew as a jew makes me a little bit nervous <laughs> i mean i and, and i do think it, it it also sets up this kind of position where it's like you like your your choice is like these extremes that neither reflect the right. reality <laughs> right like they, it's 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 not some we are the world like utopian situation letting in refugees from like culturally homophobic countries nor nor is are there like nor are there hundreds of men raping women on the street every day running around it's like there's like this needs to be dealt with truthfully and rationally dealt with and addressed. Well, how can you be objective if you have no rational basis, right? So objectivity requires, and this is also something that I think is interesting to consider here. Like a being objective requires a baseline that everybody agrees to. You have to have a certain truth agreement, a certain consensus as to what the ground level is. But that's a that's a there's been an epistemological shift towards this smartness regime as opposed to the rational regime, where things are the baseline is chaos the baseline is not stasis the baseline is a time where there is turbulent change and it's how do we adapt to this certain situation of chaos more than it is how do we return the system to baseline so everybody is always commenting from their unique position of chaos their unique position of precarity or crisis and that's going to be different for every single you know um, home pundit or podcaster or major media outlet or president right it doesn't help when the president baseline is like 
comes from 1953 and is like racist and misogynist. But yeah, I think that's something we have to consider. We're going to start the punch in the face party. <laughs> which just recognizes yeah some faces are objectively realist. punchable yes yeah. and also a punch in the face objectively hurts and, uh i think yeah it's just These an objective are. realist party right neither side is told really really objective right now and truthful with themselves that's all for the third episode of the new models podcast this has been little internet new models co-founder carly busta and artist dan keller we hope you enjoyed the conversation and will join us next time and remember to bookmark newmodels.io. Thank you.